go in and you think you know everything and and then you uh after the first sort of couple of weeks you're like man i know nothing <laughs> if you define success by um club culture and and people wanting to turn up every week and go to war then we we were extremely successful I sat there and uh, I watched all eight movies. <laughs> I read two books, <laughs> and now I'm a massive fan of Harry oh, Potter. That's good. This is a chance for me to to get out of my comfort zone and and um, learn because there was some feedback uh, that I had from New Zealand rugby, and I missed out on the. I mean, a bit of belief and and backing yourself is really important because um, sometimes if you don't, no one else does. Hello and welcome to the Brian Moylet podcast. I'm your host, Brian Moylet, former Irish age grade international rugby player turned high performance mindset coach. Each week on this podcast, I bring you an interesting person or message to help you discover how to be happier, more fulfilled and more successful. My new book, The Book on How You Become a Pro Rugby Player is available now on Amazon and Audible with links in the show notes. If you love this podcast, please send on some friends. You can subscribe on both Apple Podcasts and Spotify and can also leave five-star reviews there. Thanks, Emil, for spending some time with me today. Now let's get into it. Hey, I hope you're keeping well. Just a quick heads up before we get started. Myself and Blair were chatting at Burnside Rugby Club and halfway through the podcast, some work fans started pulling up outside. I think that they're doing renovations to the kitchen upstairs in the clubhouse. But I just want to give you a heads up. There's a little bit of background noise in the middle of it. It's not really that bad at all. But yeah, just so I give you a heads up. You will love this chat with Blair. Some of the stuff he says around teaming is unreal. So interesting. And anyway, we'll get into it. Cheers. So I'm with Blair Baxter, who spent a few years with Canterbury Rugby, Mata too, and is just back in Christchurch now from China. So, uh, looking forward to chatting about a few different things. But chat to me. You mentioned your playing days and over in Ireland. So chat to me about yeah, playing. I suppose before coaching. Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me on and uh, reaching out. It's uh, always enjoy talking code. Yeah, gosh. Uh, I took. Uh, Early 2000s, I headed over to Ireland. It was a bit of a working holiday and was lucky enough to get a bit of pocket money to go and play over in Dublin for for Black Rock and spent three seasons there. Sort of um, really enjoyable time uh, for me and met some amazing people and, and really enjoyed the code I was playing and then my last year, I moved down the road to Wanderers where a couple of mates were playing and and had a pretty cool season there with them too. So it was about across those four years, I played eight seasons. So I'd play in Ireland, then head back to New Zealand. So after eight sort of seasons or four years, I was pretty much done with footy and retired really early. So I was 26 when I decided that I was had enough and my last season was in Western Australia and then life got in the way with kids and mortgage so thought took a year off uh, and missed just being involved in in a team like uh, I thrive in in team environments and thought man I'm not I don't want to play I, I can't because I'm not in a position to be, be getting injured or something, self-employed and things like that, I've got to provide for the family. So I thought, well, I'll uh, try and coach. And um, like probably a lot of people you've talked to, uh, you go in and you think you know everything. And, and then you, uh, after the first sort of couple of weeks, you're like, man, I know nothing. <laughs> it's, uh, it's been an epic journey from that moment to where I am now to fortunate enough to be paid to be a coach class yeah I was the exact same I remember starting coaching age like 21 or something coaching the under 15s in the club and I just like froze on the field and <laughs> thought I knew it all and it's a different challenge yeah 100% it's uh, 
I think the piece I love about being a coach is just having an impact in, in people's lives. Like, if, it's, if, it's, if you can help them be a better person, even just one thing, I'm, I'm really proud of I've done my job. So, yeah, that's certainly part of the reason I, I, I give up so much time and for so many years to so many people because I, I just love seeing uh, them grow into great humans. Yeah, 100%. And it's, it's something I kind of said before, but uh, coaching, it's like really uh, selfless but selfish because you get some, uh, something I've learned as well. I kind of realised, I had that realisation as well a few years back. It's like, geez, I get so much out of this. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. There's... Uh, well, you meet great people along the way, not, not only the athletes you work with and you watch them flourish and grow into great people and been lucky enough to be involved in the journey of uh, All Blacks and Black Ferns. And that's a pretty special moment when you can... And then I remember those days when you know, out at West Mountain in the deep, dark parts of winter we were coaching uh, like a Canary Under-19s uh, programme and... There's quite a few boys have gone on to play Super Rugby and, and for the All Blacks, so pretty special. And then my transition to the female space recently, and when we first started that program, we had three Black Ferns, and the latest group that's just been named, we're at 11. So not saying that's, that's me, but it's the program that we've been able to create, and it's always special to to watch them, them people flourish and get what they deserve. Yeah, class. Mm. And so... When you were 26 or 27, 8, well, like when you kind of went mm. back into the coach and how, where did you start off and how did you find that? Yeah, I, I played my Colts under 18 stuff sort of down here in a club called Belfast, not far from where we sit now. And well, I had a lot of friends there, so I thought I felt why not start there and lasted one year. There was some stuff that I didn't agree with, so... So decided that wasn't for me, and probably got my first real chance. And I'm and I'm really proud of to, proud to say this and loyal to this club, um, probably to the day I die. And at Sydney, Sydney Rugby, based here in Christchurch, gave me a chance to be involved in their Colts program under 21s. And got to work with some pretty epic coaches. And I started out on my journey and. Um, Dale McLeod, who's currently coaching Wana Pacifica, he was like the club RDO, and then he left, and Jace Ryan, who was Crusaders and the All Blacks, become the RDO, so had some pretty cool mentors there, and um, went through there, and I spent four years in Colts, and then three years in senior, in the senior ranks, and, you know, if you define a success by outcomes and winning championships, then we probably weren't successful, however, if you define success by... Um, club culture and and people wanting to turn up every week and go to war, then we were, we were extremely successful and we had a group of of uh, warriors that would that would do that and uh, you know there's some heartbreaking stories you know we lost two semi-finals to um, and there was one moment and it was uh, Geordie Barrett still breaks my heart when I think about it but yeah we. Were, we were playing Lincoln Uni out there, complete underdogs, and implemented our game plan. And we were ahead for pretty much the whole game. And then in like the 83rd minute, uh, they scored just before final. We had final whistle. We kicked off, put pressure on them down in their 22 for a couple of minutes. Ref wasn't courageous enough to give us a penalty. Played on, played on, and next thing, Geordie Barrett breaks down the right edge. And I was like, oh, no, it's all good. Mitch Hunt will pick him up. He was at fullback for us, and what do you know? He skips around him and scores under the post and took it from us. So, yeah, because it's still real vivid those those moments. Um, and then the following year, we lost the semi final in the in the rain um, through an intercept on full time and stuff like that. So, yeah, those moments hurt. I probably remember them more than the ones the championships that we've won. And then the, lucky enough to coach the 19s for a couple of years, we won a title and lost the title. And the way we lost was an intercept on full time done everything we had you know fought back to get in the mix and go ahead and then from the kickoff we had to play out like a minute or so and then throw an intercept and they had plenty beat us we got uh the next year we went up and won so 
yeah, been pretty lucky in that in that men's space to to be involved in successful cultures and successful outcomes. Nice one. Yeah. And um, could you tell back then that Jordy Barrett would do what he's done? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. He, he was a freak. Like, I think that year he was playing minor ten for like when he's sort of nineteen. His New Zealand schools and New Zealand ah uh, New Zealand twenties or so twenty ones back then. Yeah, that 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 group was stacked. The amount of super players that were on the field that day. There's a Barrett, um, Scotty Barrett, and um, Goodhue and uh, Dunshay, and the, like they they were loaded, and we had a just a group of battlers that, like I said, went to war each day, and, and almost done enough. But uh, we we weren't quite we weren't quite there. And then last year they won the championship, so it was first time in twenty odd years. It was pretty special to be able to sit back and watch them do their thing and finally get what they deserve. Yeah, for sure. And how did you find then the like Canterbury 19 stuff and going from, say, club into that environment and that side of things? As a coach, I've been lucky enough to sort of work, work my way through. So I was coaching club rugby and then had uh, been involved in the Canterbury under-20s, then the Canterbury B programme, so I'd yeah, been learning along the way and then got the opportunity to coach for two years with 19s in a, in a pretty epic coaching group and, and at that stage you're starting to work with incredible lads that have a, uh, the desire to be a professional athlete and uh, really open to learning and enjoyable, hardworking and coachable and makes your life really easy. Um, I suppose if I take take it to like part of my coach philosophy is it all revolves around culture and I know that through the teams I've been lucky enough to coach if we get the culture right the outcome takes care of itself so invest a lot of time and connection and making sure that they're enjoying it so it doesn't become a chore and and in all those teams that that have had an outcome success that's probably one of the factors to enable that yeah so and that's not too di- no no dissimilar to the girls, like working with that. When I moved across five years ago, I think to the girls' program, the same. That was like the 19s boys. They were eager to learn, hungry for knowledge, like love having fun. Like, uh, that's probably the utmost importance for the the girls. Like it's, I know now, if the changing room's quiet. Or the bus ride to the games quiet there's something wrong we've created too much tension or anxiety through the week we're in trouble performance wise and there's this really cool story i tell anyone that wants to listen like the first time i went into the girls changing room uh, prior to a game was like the third game in an fbc we were playing wellington at orange theory and typically you don't go in before or after until it's safe to do so and I'd go in and do something and I opened the door and I was like whoa what the heck have I just walked into like, this is completely foreign there's girls dancing their music is out the gate loud they've got a parade and they're like vorticking it sculling it and I'm like holy hell I walked out going shit that's pretty unique I'm a little bit worried anyway Went over to the stadium, sat up in the stand and just enjoyed the ride. I think we beat Wellington that day, like 88-10. And I was like, ah, there is another way to prepare to perform. So, you know, there, there's lots of little subtleties that, you know, when I get a chance to coach the men again, that you can subtly influence that we don't have to actually... We, everyone has the ability to go from um, that moment of enjoying themselves to switched on and I've got a job to do and now's the time to do it and that's probably pretty special uh, for my experiences in the female space yeah 100% I had a very very similar experience and obviously I coached men starting off and then about three years ago started coaching women and I found that as well (coughs) they were all like uh, doing each other's hair Mm. laughing Mm. playing music boombox going and I like I loved it like I'm like I'm I was all for it but like the other to say the other maybe one or two the other coach mightn't have 
it might have been a bit foreign to them, but like I was loving the chill and anyway, and um, and very quickly got to enjoy that. Like yeah. then I have long hair, and well, I'd be going playing a game after, and then they'd once or twice do my hair as well. Yeah. I was just be chilling, and uh, <laughs> and like that, then they go and hammer teams. Yeah, and it it frustrated me because in the last couple of years of playing, I was I understood. I just had a. I had a realization where I started learning more and I started to understand that I'm a relaxed person, like I'm mm. chill as well. Mm. But every men's team nearly, I think that I've been in from up until age 20, nearly every team would be like, if it's a big game, it's like, right lads, no laughing, serious now. Okay lads, hey, it's w- an hour to kick off, stop everything, stop all smiles, yeah. stop, you know? Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's insane, uh, some of our mental morals around that. I've, I coached with a guy at Master 2 recently and <laughs> I He's not. They're not even allowed to have a joke in the coach in in their training base. If they want to have fun, they have to actually go out of the room and have a laugh. Like we've, that, that's obviously right down the other end of the spectrum. Uh, but gosh, you got to be for me. You got to enjoy what you got to love what you do. And part of that is having a bit of banter with your mates. And if it's doing here and putting makeup on or singing and dancing prior to kickoff, doesn't doesn't matter. Um, you now know you've got the ability to switch from that. And that relaxed state into performance mindset and performal doesn't mm. matter. Hundred percent, hundred percent, and people can switch like that. Yeah. yeah. And everyone knows. I think everyone knows that too. Even the like hard asses who are like, say, you know, mm. kind of old school. But everyone knows that you can, you can, mm. you can switch it on. Yeah. Yeah. When you need to. Yeah, mm. and you mentioned they're investing time in uh, the culture and stuff, and um, you yeah, just chat to me about that. Yes, okay, because that's something I uh, I really enjoy and it's probably one of the biggest growth areas for me having been involved in the Chinese group for the last five or six weeks and and obviously there's a language barrier and I'm still understanding culture or the way the girls operate and what, what's important to them. And the connection and belonging is two things that are really important to me. So I'll come back to the China group, but if I can tell you yarn around, like particularly the last couple of years in Farapama with Canterbury and then Matatu around our foundation, weekends, camps, etc. like the most important thing for me is the girls leave, whether it's a day or a two or a three day camp feeling like they're, they're meant to be here, that they belong here. Uh, we get that we get that right. Um, the organic conversations, the relationships start to grow and therefore I'm prepared to work harder for you on and off the field. If I care about you, the more I care I have for you, the more effort I'm prepared to give along those lines. So lots of Lots of little subtle things that I think we do really well um, to make sure that they feel like they're meant to be here. Because it could, if I talk about Matatu, a majority of our girls come from Canterbury, so in a group of 28, if you're sort of that late teens, around 20 might be from one province. So really, really um, clear for me that it's not a Canterbury program. This is Matatu, we're different. Everyone that comes into this program adds... So what we do in Canterbury couldn't be the same as what we did. So how do we make sure that if you're from the Bay of Pliny, when you arrive, you feel valued? Uh, if you're from Otago, when you arrive, you feel valued, you're connected. So that's something that I, I think we pride ourselves on and we do really well. And I'm sure if you followed Opiki this year, uh, we were lucky enough to win it. And that come down to a little bit of luck uh, through uh, someone missing a kick. That was a pretty average decision from the referee to even put put us in that position because tactically we'd built, uh, technically and tactically we'd built across the campaign to win that one game because that's what the format of the competition was and a lot of that was based around make, um, our team culture and the care we have for each other to go deep and go above and beyond when needed to put a performance in. So when I've got I've walked into into the China program, I can't speak much Chinese. Um, 
there's only three girls out of the 24 that can speak English, so that's taken from me. How, how, do, I, how do I connect with these girls? How do I know, how do I understand why they're even here? Why do they choose rugby? Like, um, why would you give up eight weeks of your life to move to New Zealand and, and learn or work with four crazy Kiwis? So that, that's sort of something that I'm really working hard on to try and connect. And at the moment, my only way of connection is with my interpreter. And it crushes me to say this, it's around the technical and tactical. Um, so we sit and watch clips together. And while we're watching clips, I might um, ask them a question about their family or which, here's a map of China, tell me where you're from or how many siblings you've got. So I'm trying my hardest to, with my lot of five or ten minutes I get with with each girl to understand them. So it's a bit more than just I'm here, I'm me as a coach, I'm a person, because that's really important. Player before the person. Uh, person before the player, sorry. Uh, and then historically in that program they tune through coaches. So there's probably a little bit of resentment around the girls wanting to get too attached or too close to a coach because they might be gone in six weeks or six months and then they've got to start again. So yeah, that's something that has definitely been uh, an eye-opener for me in the programme at the moment and a really exciting challenge as I move forward and uh, when we head back up in three weeks' time to, to keep building on the relationships because there's some exceptional talent up there and you know, I think they've got, they've got a good future on the World Series when they get there. And so how did that come about, China 7s? Yeah, great question. That, 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 so when I played in Ireland, in Black Rock, uh, Sean Horan, who is the, used to be the head coach of the Black Fern Sevens, and they went to Rio. And then, uh, what did he do after that? I think he they got a silver, then he lost his job. And then I think he was with Bay of Plenty Rugby up there. And anyway, long, long story short, I, he was a player coach in Black Rock and just kept in touch randomly across the sort of 16 or so years that we've been away and then Opaki came this year and I had a phone call from Sean and I was like, oh, hey bro, what's up? He's like, oh, looking for a uh, coach, got any sevens coaches down there? And I was like, oh, it's not, um, it's probably not a place that deals a lot in sevens, uh, the red and blank. He's like, oh, but I do hear, let me, let me think about it. And then I got off the phone and I was like, man, for the last five or seven years, my job in coach education has been to raise people up and create opportunities for people and maybe to the detriment of myself progressing to where I would love to be. And I was like, oh, man, why don't I just get out of my comfort zone and, and ring him back and if, if he wants, wants me to work. Because I, I know I know how to coach, I know how to build relationships, create culture and ultimately get outcome success. Um, I put my hand up. I said, mate, if you want to take a gamble, uh, the, the, this, is, this is who I am, this is what I'm about. I'd love to join your team. And he goes, oh, yeah, okay. Send your stuff through. Send it through. Anyway, it brings back a day later. He goes, yep, got the job. I was like, oh, good. He goes, when can you start? And I'm like, well, nah, I'm in the middle of Opaki. There's, there's no way I can start till, the, till April. And he's like, oh, okay, they kind of want you to start in two weeks. I said, no way, we're winning Opaki. Uh, that's my sole focus. And anyway, we negotiated and I was uh, able to start on April. So that's sort of, yeah, long, long story. But uh, it was just through, like, like a lot of coaching roles around the world, it's just relationships you build over time. And you just need someone to champion your cause or give you a chance and open the door. And then, you know, if you're good enough, you'll walk through it and, and you'll make every post a winner. Yeah. So, Brilliant. Yeah. Easiest job yeah. interview ever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's the one. And so how long, so what's the kind of uh, job description or the plan? It's qualified mm. for the Olympics, mm. isn't it? Or is, is the, the vision or the plan? Yeah, there's two two things, and, and this is something I've un, I've sort of started to unpack. Uh, I'm there till the end of uh, November, and there's two things that we, ha we have to achieve, and, and I didn't, I didn't, Pretty naive of me. I, I didn't really fully understand how big the Asian Games is to the Asian countries. Like that is up there, if not bigger than the Olympics. 
So for us, for China to win Asian Games is is massive. Like that's where you're the kings of kings of the Asian countries. So there's lots of importance put on that, and then we achieve that. We then have an Olympic qualifier to to get through to go to France in 2024. And so they're two two big KPIs, I guess. And I think from my short experience to date, we're good enough to be able to do that. We've got some amazing athletes. Like these skills are incredible. They are strong, um, reasonably fast, and they just love that. A lot of them are in this position where they've just thrived learning. Um, I suppose the secret we need to unlock is the intrinsic motivation. Because whereas in New Zealand and maybe other countries in the world, we we play rugby because we love it, and these girls play rugby because it's a job. So mm. it's just, um, yes, it's probably just unlocking the little piece, that little one or two things that moves it from a job to a purpose to be something bigger than themselves and how proud them and their family and their country can be of them when they win Asian Games and qualify for the Olympics. Yeah, yeah brilliant, love that, yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, because it's... It's easier then to go to the dark places and mm. to to buy in more to work hard. Like yeah, when you have when you're tied to something mm. more. Mm. Yeah. Cause yeah, Sean comes to me. Twenty four hours before we had our first tournament in Cape Town, and I'm not sure how much you know around sort of theming and bits and pieces, but mm. that's something that. Quite a bit theming campaigns that I think we've done really well, whether it's a massive theme or a little mantra for the last maybe seven, eight, ten years, just evolved that in the groups I work with. And he comes to me, he's like, mate, we need a theme. I'm like, do we? He's like, yeah, the girls don't know, mate, too much about this, but uh, I think it'd be really powerful. Okay. Right. For, like, tomorrow. <laughs> it's like, yeah, 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 no, we're, we're, we're uh, yeah, yeah, okay, right. Any, any, anything? Like, give me, give me some background. Like, no, 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 no. You just, just do it. Like, okay, <laughs> right. Yeah. So straight into my room, got my computer. Man, what, 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 where can I go with this? Like, it can't be big because they're not used to this. Yeah. It's got to be really subtle. Uh, oh man, ancient Chinese proverbs come to my mind, and I was like, oh, okay, let, googling flat out. Like what's something that might resonate with them? Found this two or three things, and I went to the captain, and I was like, "Oh, this is what I'm thinking." What? There was an image of a tiger and a little um, proverb. You got to enter the tiger's lair to catch the tiger cub. What does that mean? Blank look on her face. Like, oh. Oh, do you understand what that means? And she's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, yeah," but we don't, we don't really connect with animals. I'm like, oh. Okay, well, uh, right. What are we? You, tell me, tell me a bit more. Like, what, what, what's something that you guys maybe connect or um, are interested in? Um, sort of nothing. Went round and round and round, and didn't really get anywhere. And I was like, oh, damn it! I reckon I can. I reckon we can. We can do something with this. And it was around. Uh, so we, if we won the. If we won both tournaments, we would be back on the World Series. So that was that was the, our purpose for being in South Africa. And as it turned out, we weren't good enough and we're not quite ready. So we finished third and that's okay. Learned lots and developed some young ones that probably wouldn't have got an opportunity. So I like we sat the girls down in, the, in our team room, put that image up, put the Chinese proverb up and asked them what it meant. And again, blank looks on their faces. I was like, okay, so I'll try and explain. So if you are trying to capture a tiger's cub and you have to enter a lair or cave, what attributes do you need to display? And they were like, oh, bing, bing, bing. They were like, courageous, uh, brave, work together, smart. I was like, perfect. Well, this is this is starting to evolve. Like, man, we're onto something. Yeah, so we they wrote them up on the wall. And that was cool. They had five or six things. I was like, yep, amazing. Radio. Now I want you to think about if 
if I see you being brave or courageous on the field, what would I see as a coach? And they sat there and it went quiet and nothing. And I was like, Icky, what are they what are they saying? Because clearly can't understand Chinese yeah. and they're like, they don't really know what you're what you're asking. I was like, okay. Well I'll give them an example. So recovery, ice bath. Uh, as part of their recovery uh, or, or, or some sort of water therapy it might be hopping in the or the pool and just walking around so what's what's brave about that like yeah, you know or um, if we're talking recovery how would I know that they're being brave and then that started to stimulate some thinking oh cool so what does teamwork look like and they're like boom 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 and next thing they're away and they come up with things that meant to that uh resonated with them so I think uh, we got somewhere uh, so each day we'd put the flag of the team we were playing so Papua New Guinea uh, was a stepping stone and it was an image as as we got closer to the final the images got darker so we got deeper into the cave to catch the to capture the tiger's cub and, and they sort of started to buy in and a bit more connected so that really excites me about heading back so that was it was quite deliberate. It was small. It was something that was pretty foreign to them. But I've also I've got I think I've got a real cool concept that will work for the next sort of how long on the left six six or seven months to help them be ready f- to win the Asian Games and the Olympic qualifiers. So yeah, it's you're never too old to to try things and and take a little bit of what we do well and implemented into another culture and, and I'm going to learn a heap along the way but that's something I'm, I'm really excited about I think if I take you back to like culture and theming in particular we've had some pretty epic ones with the girls because man they invest in it probably far more than the boys I've ever seen like they are full handy committed to everything once they understand it and can see the purpose and the direction we're heading and they get in and behind it real well. Um, yeah. It's a pretty cool part, place to be. Yeah, that's class. That's unreal. I love how you uh, developed that and kind of built that out because I think that a lot of people have heard of theming, mm. you know, but it's, you know, it's a stock standard one. Hey, this is what we're doing. This is the theme. Mm. And then you play three games and it's like hey remember we're mm. we're looking to win the marathon we're mm. looking to <laughs> climb everest we're yeah. looking to you know and it's it's um though i love how you built that out and um just for people listening and we're in burnside club here and someone's pulled up i think there's a bit of work's <laughs> going on outside so you can imagine you're sitting in here with us and there's uh, i think it's a cherry picker or something yeah. outside but uh they're putting in a new um kitchen upstairs but uh, anyway um and so chat to me I'm super interested and I love that um, idea of what you did there. Chat to me one or two of the other ones that you've done in the past. Yeah, man, I could sit, well, I reckon we, I could sit here and tell you yarns for the next hour on the themes that we've used. And I'll take you on the journey from Farapamo, Canary, when I first started and with them. And prior to myself being there, they were often led by the players. So they would come up with it and then they would sort of live it and bring it to life so they went from uh, the Avengers to um, the Lion King um, uh, Hunger Games so there was lot, lots of their lots of their themes were based around movies come from a male environment where it was sort of you know you, you often took like a couple of ones you talked about or your NBA or your NFL or the, it's more sporting so I've gone from a sporting context uh, to a movie thing and my first year was with the girls was COVID and I connected with our leaders to understand what it meant uh, sent them some gave them a task there were six of them you do this amazingly well I've seen it you bring it to life it's part of who you are it's your DNA what are we going to do this year so I gave them a task and connected with them after like two weeks, like, how are we going, girls? What, what? And they had two or three different things. 
and I was and Chelsea Brumnett actually led it and she's like I reckon Harry Potter I think we can create uh, this year's theme around Harry Potter and I sit there and my heart sinks and I'm like oh Harry Potter okay tell me more because I've never read a book or never seen a movie in my life it was just not something that I connected to and neither had my kids so they like, they sold me the dream and this is how it would work and bits and pieces. I was like, oh yeah, I can see how that can work. So thank goodness for COVID. COVID had lots of silver linings. I sat there and uh, I watched all eight movies. <laughs> I read two books <laughs> and now I'm a massive fan of Harry oh, Potter. That's it was friggin' awesome, man. That, that was one of the that's greatest uh, themes. So how we built it along the campaign was... Um, do you know much about Harry Potter? There's like the whole, no. they, they, uh, he, ha he has to kill off Horcruxes to mm. be able to weaken Voldemort to kill Voldemort. And um, anyway, each week, and this is something I, I, I did to be brave here because often themes for me can't be outcome based. So, example, you're climbing Mount Everest and you've got to get to checkpoint one or, and two, three, four to climb the mountain. Well, if you lose a game after the third one or how the hell do you keep climbing the mountain? You, you're stuffed, you've fallen down, you're dead. So I steer away from an outcome-based theme. And this was what really worried me, but I knew there was a piece of me going, we're good enough to win this competition without losing a game, so I'm going to back them here. I'll let them, it's the first year in there. So each week was a Horcrux, um, like Tom Riddell's diary and bits and pieces. And then as we built through the campaign, we killed off the first four crux and we were like you live it daily and it becomes consuming and uh, our awards at the training on the Tuesday night would be you know sort of attacking defence and play of the day and the play of the day would um, kill off the, the diary so her job was to get up and stab the the basics fang the, the snake's fang through the diary because that's what happened in the movie yeah? and you build it across the campaign until the end our final was against Waikato when we were we had to kill Voldemort to win the championship and everything was around um, kill or be killed because only one person can win this you know so uh, one of the girls and this is where the amazing really creative Grace Brooker actually she she got like a, a dummy a head and carved out Voldemort's face and painted it and he was sitting in the changing room for us and and then we obviously killed him killed him off and we won the final and in the last second of the game, type thing. So, yeah, that 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 was that was a pretty special, pretty special one. That that uh, sits there really close to me. And to be fair, everything has its special moments. Last year when we won again at Farah Palmer, we we chose one that I needed to link to our girls. So we'd evolved from the girls coming up with the concept to over time the program's getting bigger. There's more demand on our athletes. They're training extremely hard. They're working extremely hard. How much more time can you expect to them to give? And theming takes a long time. So I suppose myself and a genius friend of mine, Josh Sprott, he helps immensely around um, the two of us pulling it together. So I have, I have lots of thoughts in my head where it's going, but sometimes I can't get it out on the paper. So he sort of connects it and puts it all together for me. Uh, so, yeah, last year was around, okay, th this is a deficit, there's, there's something missing in our group and there's a perception across the country that we're not physical, um, we don't embrace contact, so what's a movie that, that, that we can use to help with this? And it was a um, pretty brutal uh, movie and Quentin Tarantino and Kill Bill, so... We evolved our campaign across that to be um, Stone Cold Killers, and and it worked, and we won. We won the final off the back of just changing the way we trained, the way we looked at contact or collision, um, to the point that Auckland called us out in the final, and we just beat the shit out of them because um, they thought they were coming down here to beat us up, and there's no way our girls were going to back down because we'd invested in that. And then it flowed on to. Matatu this year around being the greatest team in Aotearoa and again we still have that physical and psychological challenge which in 2022 we were 
a little bit bullied somewhat physically and mentally and and somehow it was I still get upset that coaches think that this is okay like you can actually coach um, psychological bullying on the field I don't think there's a place in performance sport or high performance sport to do this it's way below the line but we 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 had that in round one uh, in season one what happened uh there's just like some um and particularly in the female sport when people start to comment on your physical attributes and things like that like way below the line like yeah i can get the competitive edge but mm. when you start using um stuff around the way people look or or some stuff that's just oh, yeah. that's way that that shouldn't be in rugby no. and we faced a bit of that and you know the, uh, i can still remember what the coach coming up to me after the game and apologizing because he had he had prepped his team to do that and i was like mate yeah. there's no way that i would ever do that i can't accept that apology maybe it's just i'm in an emotive state but that that's just bullshit basically um so anyway move away from that we had to be better physically and mentally and we started embarked on a journey through Farah Palmer and then we integrated all our superstars from outside of our province outside of Canberra province into Matatu and went with something that is both physically and mentally demanding like the hardest sport ever in in the country and that was God's Own oh uh, yeah the adventure race yeah I've heard of this so only when I just moved here those athletes are absolute freaks they they can go like four to five days you know 600 kilometers um climb gradient higher than mount everest uh this multi-discipline you hike hike kayak or there's a water kayak a raft mountain biking running like they, they are just incredible humans and I had a vision that, that that was us and our campaign allowed us to, to build like a race in God's own, you've got to get to checkpoints along the way. So we had um, round one, two, three, semi-final building towards just winning one game to win the championship. And you just had to be, like, you just had to be the first team to cross the line. Mm. So, yeah, it worked, man, and... Um, the girls fully invested in it. We were so grateful to have some of the greatest uh, people in New Zealand join us on the journey. Um, Nathan Favoy, he'd be probably the, the goat of venture racing in the world. Um, Fleur Palsy and Sophie Hart, because the female in the team is so, so important. Uh, and they, they jumped on board and told their story and the girls were fully invested. So we'd taken them from movies and bits and pieces to something way out of their norm to talk uh, a sport basically and you know it's been quite exciting because some of our girls aren't into movies and the feedback off the review that I've just gone through was like man the theme was on point where we mm. were like it's something different um, it resonated with me more than a movie I didn't know where you were going at the start like what friggin X up to here but I fully understand why and how it was so important to us. So, man, I've just rabbited on for like 20 minutes and something yeah, I'm extremely it. passionate about. So, <laughs> I I'll love get it. Yeah. No, no, I love it. I love it. And um, it's funny on on the podcast or whatever. It's it's always the best part when people do you know tell their stories, and I'm just listening. I love it. But yeah. um, something with uh, those two teams with Kill Bill and the uh, Adventure Race. Mm. I forget the name. God's own. God's own. Yeah. Um, is that something I think is massive for mental skills is an alter ego and mm -hmm. so I learned mm -hmm. this mm. years ago I was 21 22 I was playing for Lansdowne as a mm. and Mike Ruddock was our coach I was calling the lineouts. I was a young lad I knew them technically tactically I, I, I knew my stuff but then one day wet Friday night in St Mary's I just capitulated I, we were 0 from 5 first half I was like two or three games into the season and I just had a head dropped and walked in at, to the huddle at halftime like head down whatever and Mike goes Brian in his Welsh accent like straight away I'm like oh and he's like those lineouts what would Victor Matfield do <coughs> and I'm like um, uh, and he goes I'll tell you what he'd do he'd stop calling these oh now this uh, movement uh, he'd go in he called on himself he'd win every lineout and he'd back himself 100% mm. second half go out there and be Victor Matfield <laughs> and so I like left and I was like so I turned around and he was like 
was like he said be Victor Matfield so I kind of like he said he'd be confident and he called mm. them all on himself so I acted confident mm. and I called them all on myself and we won five from five and then after the game Mike's like best man the match whatever Victor and he called me Victor from then on mm. so and everyone else in the team called me Victor and the next night Sunday night I was watching Red Zone NFL mm. and I was watching Tom Brady with the Patriots and I was like the way he walks up the line of scrimmage he's the man like mm. he's just telling everyone where to go he's pointing at everyone he's calling the shots and I was like Victor Matfield I'm going to be a bit of Victor Matfield and Tom Brady so from then on every time I stepped on a field after the age of 22 I was like I'm Tom Brady and I'm Victor Matfield and and a mix between the two and, and I carried that you know whereas yeah. I'm like shy and introverted off the field but then once you cross it you can become something else yeah. so when you were saying they were Kill Bill like they became warriors or like the gods when they became those mm. like mentally resilient mm hard people that yeah. just you know so you become it yeah yeah that that resonates with me hard out uh i'll tell you the our first year in opaki we used the theme of um the greatest showman and that was a movie right and the alter ego reminds me so uh there's a song song in that movie about this is me so we wanted everyone in our environment to be their genuine self mm. and there's there's the athlete or the girl off the field and that's who who we know day to day however on the field we needed to be the we needed them to be um like their their alter ego so we we pulled on that we drew on that and we had girls um they had to present to the team no it was actually we'd set up a camera and they would go into a room by themselves and they had to talk to their alter ego it was hard case he got heaps of bloopers and we had heaps of fun about it but there was girls in there and they'd, they'd like like they always do. They put a lot of thought into. And one of them was like the Hulk. So when I'm on the field, I want to be, I want to be that real powerful loose forward that's going to run over top of everyone. And anyone that runs at me, I'm going to smash them like the Hulk and rah, like those sorts of things. And man, it's incredible how you can take something so small, or and 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 it can really influence performance. It's a, yeah, it's 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 pretty special when you when you nail it, and and then it becomes common language in the in the uh, day-to-day life. I knew we'd nailed God's own because there's a massive risk. Even I had to convince the staff that it was the right thing to do because they didn't know anything. The majority didn't know anything about it. And we're super lucky. I've got an incredible analyst in Luca Roden and he brings it to life with lots of movies and he mm. works extremely hard and he can piece things and clever. Um, anyway, the final, Nathan Favre sent us a message and he told this yarn, and it was probably one of those yarns that you probably needed to be there to really get it. And I sat there and I was like, oh, he sort of laughed along, not really having a really understanding it. And it was, a, it was a yarn about when they were racing in the world champs in France. And they got their map and they do a little bit of planning and they could see a chance at the start of the race to make a massive ga- lead on the, all the other teams. So typically in adventure racing, you don't go out too hard because it's five to ten days and you've got to balance it. So anyway, they out the gates and they started running and they were running and the marshals were like, you crazy Kiwis, what the hell? No one runs. And they sort of smiled and waved. And anyway, the same marshals were on the finishing chute when they finished first and they walked up and as they walked past the marshal, they were like, this is why we run. And that was all that was said. I don't think too much about it. On the when he told the yarn on, on the screen, and after the game when we won Opiki in our team room, we had the three things our DNA for the week and the three things that would enable us to perform. And I come into the shed, and one of the girls had written across it and read, "This is why we run." And I was like, "Bang, got them! They're 100% invested. They took something out of that, and which meant." something pretty insignificant but applied it to enabling them to perform and win win Opiki so yeah that was that's pretty special when when those sort of moments happen and what maybe I missed well like running at the start was that like for them to for them to so that the other teams would see them running well I think it was just give give them a bit of an advantage yeah yeah Yeah. the story was all random it didn't really have I was like "Mm." And you know where you're heading with that, Nathan. Mm. 
Um, but the girls latched onto that one comment and it helped them across the line, I guess. Yeah. That's probably what I was trying to trying yeah. to get across and, there. And um, sometimes I just love everything you're saying here is um, I'm just a huge into the mindset side of things and it's because I just realised that like growing up and just in my late 20s like reflecting and learning different things about myself and just the mind and everything that performance is it's it's nearly everything mental mm. you know in that you can be the best player but if you are lacking confidence no self-belief you you know you've no energy you've no energy you can't play whereas if you're an average player and you're absolutely buzzing and mm. you're you're you know fire and like you're you're gonna go well yeah and so it's 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 huge and and like everything you're saying there is built around like you're you know you're a coach and we're, we started talking about coaching but and and this at the start when people first hear about themes they might think like oh that's a nice to do or that's just a kind of a a bit of fun that people do on the side as well mm. and to maybe lighten the mood mm. a bit or but it's like no like <laughs> it's, you know what i mean it's like we, when you talk about like the warrior and, and like kill bill and I'm like like i know it because i've mm. i've i've lived it yeah. like myself personally yeah. no one else knew that i used to think that way but yeah you know when i was maybe 18 20 21, before that night i would have gone out you know you might have doubts you might have yeah. this you might have whatever yeah. i would have gone out the field with those some days really confident some days maybe doubting but yeah when i learned that about yeah. the alter ego and flipping yeah. it i nearly every every single game went out feeling like the man yeah yeah that's right it's just unlocking that little, little thing in each athlete eh? yeah. it takes a bit of time sometimes to, yeah to get to them and <laughs> with them um, how do you find coaching with like so the the transient kind of or like you know you just took an opportunity in, in china and like i'm i love like i'm here in new zealand like mm. um, <laughs> i love it but uh yeah, how do you find that? Like you were saying Canterbury, and that I would imagine would have been a relatively. You could have kept doing it, I'd imagine. Whereas now you're probably like contracted, and it's you're kind of taking a bit of a leap, somewhat. Are you? Yeah, hundred percent. De yeah, definitely. So, the like I've coached for sixteen years, and up until Opeki last year, and again this year is the first time I've ever been paid a little bit of money to provide for the family. Put, uh, and then th through the journey in the last four four seasons as well, five, five however long it is as a head coach my time on the grasses was getting less and less and when I was on the grass a couple of times I felt really clunky um, couldn't find the flow and delivery impacted and I'm always on the journey to because I, I believe I coach a little bit differently to other people. Um, there wouldn't be too many drills. It's lots of activities and game-based learning scenarios and stuff like that. Like trying to influence decision-making under pressure and see things and bits and pieces like that. So that probably doesn't help with me coming across a little bit clunky either. And uh, there's an opportunity to go and coach out of my comfort zone. It's not only the cultural thing, but... I've been super blessed to work with amazing coaches in the last few years that sometimes you can become really comfy and what else could, What else do I not know about? So I took a role in, in China as an assistant to hone my craft on the grass because um, that's what I've missed. That's why I started coaching, to be on the grass. Uh, and this is providing me the opportunity. There's lots of sacrifice. I'm away from my family for a long, long time and got an amazing wife and four kids. Three of them are teenagers. So they're at, you know, there's some, um, yeah, lots going on at the moment. Uh, uh, I'm also super grateful that they uh, allow me to do this and, and chase the dream and things like that. So, yeah, eight months on the grass is going to help me wherever my next. Um, door opens whether it's uh, here in Opiki in 2024 or anything like that um, uh, internationally where, wherever it is like uh, I love coaching and, and I know I've got ability so um, yeah it's just probably some of the sacrifice you need to grow and there's that who's that rabbi that talks about the lobster have you heard the, the lobster thing where Jordan you got to yeah, shed your shed your shoulder 
get bigger. So this is a chance for me to to get out of my comfort zone and and um, learn because there was some feedback uh, that I had from New Zealand rugby when I missed out on the Black Ferns role, and I, I probably ex- anticipated that was coming uh, around international experience. So what better way to double up? You get a little bit of experience, you see the world, you're coaching sevens, different format, and I'm full-time coaching, so that's something I've been aspiring to do for a long time, and yeah, it's been so far so good. Class. Yeah. And I love what you're saying there around um, the challenge and growth, and I saw an interview you did with Canterbury, I don't know, it could have been a few months back, and, yeah. and that was something you was mentioned in the second paragraph or something, but uh, you know, you mentioned, yeah, how much of a challenge it will be and is, mm. and but it's something that, yeah, I think is so important, just learning the last few years, you know, growth only happens when you're uncomfortable, mm. and being uncomfortable is uncomfortable. It's mm. like you know, mm. it's it, it is what it is, and yeah. it's something that I've personally found like myself that you, I understand that I need to keep being in that zone and and getting myself there because you know days and weeks can get easy, and it's you know you you gotta don't you have to keep mm. finding that uncomfortable, yeah. and even sometimes you you, men, you mentioned mentors before and. Um, Fruby upstairs and like chatting to him and you know I want to get better as a coach I want to get better at different things that I'm doing and um you know you're going to hear you're going to get feedback mm. and that's all often somewhat a little bit uncomfortable it's like oh you need to do this better this way okay yeah okay cool yeah you know <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah yeah no that, that that's that's dead right and but a lot of the groups you probably know that um the learning pit is it David Nottingham Oh, yeah. English fellow, we spend a bit of time and unpacking what that looks like, and um, you know, the, to get growth, you need to drop into that the bottom of that learning pit, mm. and then you're climbing your way out. But I guess the the ability to grow is the amount of time you spend out. So, what I've learned is if we constantly drop our athletes into the learning pit, and then they get out, and then we drop them straight back in, um, often they. Uh, spend too much time in that anxious state and mm. becomes a little bit overwhelming. So here's a new skill or activity, whatever it is. Let's learn it. Let's embrace it. Let's add it to our craft and then we're going to throw you back down there. Um, mm. and, you know, and that's probably where, where I'm at as a coach. Like we, a lot of us are lifelong learners and, and you know, there's awesome stuff that you do here and get amazing people on your podcast and you listen to and you listen, like, that's one way and then just going and observing other people and it's like what can I take or borrow or edit from that um, and put it into my craft apply it before I start learning the next thing is something that I've learned because I was just filling my cup up and actually forgetting most of it and not applying it or if you don't add it to you well what I found if I don't add it straight away I often just go back to type and sometimes type isn't good enough Mm. Mm. it's a good point you make there about the athletes and um yeah, I was kind of thinking personally myself, you know, just to like being challenged. But um, with yeah, I think with players it's important to something once again learn in the last while and just to outline it like, hey, I'm, you know, I'm going to be challenging you during this session mm. at this time because I feel we need to get better at this, or you know, so I'm going to intentionally be challenging you quite a lot. Yeah, and so you know, very basic, simple one that I'll nearly do every single session is if we're doing hands, start like shouting at the players like faster, faster, go, 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 and like you can see them then because you know they're doing they're getting every pass. It's like they're jo- they're running at three quarters pace and just like simple things like that that you can do to to ch- challenge them a little bit. Yes, that's we're super grateful to have. Jessie Hansen on board for us for the last four, four or five years, and she's a performance psychologist. Uh, and we will utilise her on grass. So for those moments, you know, we talked around that, that physical, uh, that psychological pressure, decision making under pressure, performance under pressure is something that everyone's looking to grow. But it's been a massive for us. So we would uh, have her, as we explain or demonstrate our activity. We might get Jesse to jump in and go. Look, the coaches are going to put you into a in a position where you're going to be under extreme pressure. I want you to consider your body language as an example over the next three to five minutes. So we will go and coach that 
uh, and then she'll come back in and, and just loop it, link it all in like, okay, Brian, you know, where, where, where was, did you notice anything with your body language or did you notice the way uh, Tony over there handled himself when he dropped the ball or something like that? So, you, yeah, she's been massive, massive for the growth in our athletes. So, but you, not everyone is fortunate enough to have those sorts of people, but you can, like you said, you can apply pressure and raise awareness of your athletes. You don't have to be a performance psychologist to do that. Yeah, that's cool. The awareness around them, um, yeah, body language and mm. um, and uh, just all that. Yeah, more self awareness. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Is yeah. That one of the roles of the coach, isn't it, to raise awareness and transfer responsibility? Yeah. Yeah. And um, so heading back to China soon. What's uh, so? the plan there and then what you're going a couple of stops like are you kind mm. of when are the Asian games and what's the build up what's the next in the horizon yeah, cha cha changes often like you've got to be pretty fluid in this role uh, what I've learnt so far so we head back up to China and yeah, a couple next week I think it is we're up there for three weeks they're in their national games so they'll they'll come in for a, week a weekend tournament and we'll select a squad that'll then go on tour for uh, sort of six to eight weeks depending on what's going on and we'll assemble them in China and, and I've talked to Sean around like the cultural piece like let's get our group of 16 to 18 whatever we name whatever he names and let's start to really set some foundations around the theme and bits and pieces that's going to make us great in, in that space so it's really exciting and then we're heading to Colombia uh, not a place I ever thought I would um, head to particularly as a rugby coach so yeah. we got a couple of weeks in Colombia so doing a little bit of work scenario stuff with the national side and then we come back down under to Tauranga and spend some time up there and just trying to build build the the body and the athlete's body a little bit more um, and then after we leave there it's pretty at the moment it's, it's pretty full on so we're off, I think we're off to Singapore and, and then um Continued up to Portugal and Ireland, and then back to the Asian Games in Thailand. I want to say, yeah, which is sort of September, October, around around that time, and then the Olympic qualifiers are in November. Yeah, yeah there's a bit of travel, but it, like I said, it's pretty fluid. You've got got to be agile. Uh, yeah, we just get chops and changes all the time. We've got to chase chase tournaments to. Because there's only so much, like any club, you can play against each other and you, you know each other's patterns and calls and mm. movements and cues. And you get you get some from it, but it's always good to bring in another team. So chasing tournaments it will be fun and tiring, but it's it's going to make them better long-term, I think. Class, yeah. that sounds unreal. Yeah. Colombia and all yeah. those different spots. Yeah. Yeah, well, hey, thanks for your time. What would be um, something you would say to yourself starting out, mm, say two or three years into coaching? I think you hear this one often, but I think uh, one of the things that's helped me be uh, in my journey or progress it reasonably fast, uh, fast is just having either a coach, educator or a mentor and I think we talked about like, the importance of Ruby and, and what he's had on my life as a as a coach and probably as a human like we sit around and find time to chat, chat um, rugby and coaching and coach education and stuff like that. that that's something I probably would have worked a little harder on because uh, I've seen exponential growth there for myself there's other things like I remember talking to Alex Robinson, who was, I worked with him in the community uh, in my role as a coach educator, and then he was fortunate enough to be named NBC coach last year, and you hear about that imposter syndrome, and he's gone and worked his way through community, an English boy worked his way through community, and now coaching the top team, and men's team in Canterbury, and that little bit of self-doubt that you talked about, should I be here, am I good enough, these guys are all blacks, the super rugby players, I'm just, I'm just blah blah blah. So that genuine belief that you're good enough, and sometimes you just have to tell yourself that, um, 
and you know if you can build relationships and you don't have to have the knowledge like often once you've got that relationship with the players um, you can facilitate learning and they they've got all they've got it all um, so I think that's something a bit of belief and um, backing yourself is really important because um, sometimes if you don't no one else does um, you know there's not too many people there that are out there championing you particularly in the coaching game here like everyone wants to there's such a finite um, amount of roles that get get paid to 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 coach and there's so many people trying to head towards that space so there's not too many people backing you so you've got to back yourself I think that's probably probably one thing I would uh, do a little bit more of yeah, yeah. long-winded answer yeah no, no brilliant <laughs> and the mentor thing yeah is uh is huge like in any area in the, you know as a, if you're a player if you're a coach mm. if you're in business in anything you mm. know because you you have blind spots yeah and you don't think you do or you don't see them if you're in, you, there's just certain things you don't see mm. Mm. you know i just know myself you know simple as yeah. whereas when someone else when you've chats with other people they can just help you bring awareness to different things and yeah. and learn different, yeah. Yeah, that, that's something that we, our coach groups work really hard on, like understanding self. So having, trying to raise self, your own self-awareness, particularly when you're, you're leading and finding those blind spots and being having a group comfortable enough to, uh, challenge isn't the right word, but ra- you know, raise awareness and, and um, talk to that and being open and honest or creating a space where we actually can do that. And, uh, you know, there's lots of personality profiling tools that are out there and that can help with that. And lucky enough to probably go through two or three that have helped me be better as well. Yeah, good stuff, Bob Blair. Thanks mm. a lot for chatting. Really, really appreciate it. Yeah, I don't know if it was chatting, man. I think I just uh, hijacked the mic for however long it was and you sat there and listened. So, no, I appreciate, no, no, I appreciate I the invite. And, uh, yeah, it's been uh, really cool. Cheers for listening in today. I hope today's podcast helped you on your journey. Be sure to check out the show notes in the description for a rundown of today's episodes and all the important links. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to be an absolute legend, please share it with a friend on social media or by text and let me know what you enjoyed about the episode over on our social media channels at Brian Moylet. I really love hearing your feedback and it helps us make the pod better. Also, please subscribe to the podcast on both Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And on both Spotify and Apple Podcasts, you can leave up to a five-star review. If you're in sports or business and you want to get better results, you feel like you're capable of more, you want to be happier, more fulfilled, more successful in what you are doing, head over to my website now, offfieldrugby.com, and we'll set up a time to have a chat for free. You can get my new book now on Amazon and Audible and the links are in the show notes. Thanks Emil for clicking in today. Have a brilliant rest of your day. Cheers.